Well, good morning. It is wonderful to have all of you here this morning. We'll begin our service by singing the doxology, which is found in the red hymnal number 549. The doxology, hymn number 549. Praise God from all number 717. Do not be worried and upset, Jesus told them. Believe in God and believe also in me. There are many rooms in my Father's house, and I am going to prepare a place for you. I would not tell you this if it were not so. And after I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to myself, so that you will be where I am. You know how to get place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way to get there? Jesus answered him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. Now that you have known me, he said to them, you will know my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 399, Wonderful Grace of Jesus. 399, Wonderful Grace of Jesus.
Lord in prayer this morning. Our gracious God, it is so good to be in your house to come and worship you this morning. And Lord, we come before you with the needs that we have in our lives, the needs of family members, the needs of friends, the needs of patients throughout this medical center, the needs of the staff that are working today, the needs of the family members who will be visiting. Lord, we lift all those needs up to you. And we know that you do hear our prayers. And Lord, we know that you will answer them according to your will and purpose. And God, we would ask that you would give us the understanding and the discernment that we need to have as we look for your answers, as we wait for your answers, and as we desire to see your will in our lives be performed. And Lord, it is so good that we can just appreciate each other, appreciate this time of worship, appreciate the hymns that we have sung, the words of scripture that we have read together, and the prayers that we have offered you. And Lord, we once again are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn this morning is number 375, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, number 375. Our second hymn this morning <laughs> is hymn number 375, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound.
Amen. I'm glad we got through that. Our scripture reading this morning is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went up to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, you have reminded us this morning of your grace that you have given each and every one of us. And Lord, I would ask that as we think of that grace that you've given us, that we also think of the responsibilities that we have to give grace to others that are in our lives. And Lord, I would just ask that you would help us to do that and remind us of this message that you have laid on our hearts. In Christ's name. Amen. The other day I was talking with Lynn and she was sharing with me a story about one of our granddaughters. And uh, it was about our granddaughter Lucy. And she is just starting pre-K, pre-kindergarten, preschool, the year before you go into kindergarten. And on the first day of her class, the teacher had given her an assignment to take four things that mean something to you that identify with who you are and put them in a paper bag and bring them to school. So while Lucy was preparing to fulfill the teacher's request for this assignment, she began to put things in her paper bag. And her mother noticed that the things that she was putting in her paper bag 
was not about herself, but it was about others. The things that she was putting in her paper bag was her about her older sister, about her younger brother, about her mother, and about her father. And her mother tried to tell her, no, this assignment is not about all of us. It's not about others. It's about you. And she really tried how to understand how she could talk about herself without talking about the other people in her life. Her sister, her brother, her mother, and her father. So I actually gave it some thought, and I was thinking about what would I put in my paper bag if someone gave me an assignment in terms of what was important to me and what I would put in my paper bag that would help me identify those things about who I am. What would be those four things? And I ask you the same question. What would be in your paper bag that you could put in four things that would identify who you were. And what's interesting about Lucy is understanding the question for her was, was meaning that she saw herself last and not first because she identified herself with the other people around her and her own family because they were more important to her than she was to herself. Something to consider, isn't it? If I would have four things in my paper bag, that probably would be a difficult assignment for me. Because as you get older, you have things that occur in your life that gives you identity, that gives you purpose, Hopefully that gives you better understanding and maturity. Not always, but hopefully. And I guess if I had to put four things in my paper bag, they probably, and I don't know if there's a right answer or a wrong answer to this question, but I think Lynn would hopefully say one of those things would be her. One of the things would be my children. One of the things would be my grandchildren, and I don't know what the fourth would probably be my faith, but that's a good question. What four things would you put in your paper bag? You know, and as we reflect on that question, what would we say honestly? What would we say about the four things that represent us as individuals? What would be the four things that would truly represent me, that would truly represent you? And really, I think it would be in the private moment within our own lives between us and God that we would truly, really be honest with that question. Because it would be an unfair question to ask me because obviously I'm standing in front of all of you and I would hopefully I would give you the right answer but would it be my truthful answer, right? You understand what I'm saying? 
because you're all listening to me, and I'm like, well, okay, it really would truly be about me. It would be about money. It would be the car that I want to drive. I'm, I'm just having fun with you, but how would we reflect upon that question? Jesus reflected on that question in the scriptures that we have read this morning. It wasn't about the four things that you put in a paper bag that identify yourself in terms of who you are. But I think it gets to the point that Jesus is trying to address here. Is if we truly do love the Lord, if we truly do love our neighbor, I think we would ask the question, the same question that the teacher of the law asked. Who is my neighbor? I saw something several weeks ago on one of the social media things and they were talking about who is your neighbor and they answered the question, your neighbor probably is your enemy. Your neighbor probably is your enemy. And that's a difficult question for us to ask ourselves. Because when we ask who are our neighbors, of course we want to be nice and sweet and we want to give the positive responses and the correct answers. But who is the neighbor for you? Who is that Samaritan in your life? And a Samaritan was someone that practiced a different faith than what the Jews practiced. They worshipped at a different location. Jews were not to associate or to be seen with or to touch a Samaritan. And if you recall the parable, the story about the woman at the well, she was a Samaritan woman and Jesus was to have nothing to do with her. So the two teachers of the law that saw the Samaritan, the Levites and the priests, they obeyed their tradition and their law by not having anything to do with the Samaritan. They didn't do anything wrong in their eyes. So in our lives, what do we do? What do we say? Who do we avoid? Who do we not touch? Who do we not have anything to do with? Who do we not fellowship with? Who do we not help that we see hurting and that we see that are in need? And so what's interesting here is Jesus gives us that example for our own lives. And I think each and every one of us if we are alone with God, we ask ourselves those questions about our relationship with Him. We are concerned about our relationship with God. We are concerned when our soul and our spirit is troubled about the things of God. And we do ask God those questions, maybe not in the same way, but I know I have asked the question, Lord, if eternal life truly does exist, how do I inherit it? How do I understand it? 
I've been watching some documentaries about the universe, the cosmos, how big it is, how many literally, probably billions of stars there is out there, and how it would take us millions of light years to go from one end of it to the other, and that there's other galaxies out there in the universe, not just our own, but many, 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 many more. And I was watching this documentary and I felt so overwhelmed and how insignificant I was. And the person in the documentary basically talked about if we use the universe as our example, we're basically a microbe on a speck of dust. <laughs> a microbe on a speck of dust in comparison to the universe. I don't know about you, but when I pondered those questions, it kind of made me feel pretty worthless, pretty insecure in terms of who I am. But it's also a reminder to me that regardless of how insignificant I appear to be in scale to the rest of the universe that God has created, that God still loves me for who I am. And God still loves you for who you are. And if we believe in the story, if we believe in the scriptures that we read, we believe in the text that talks about the fact that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I do ask those questions. How can the God creator of the universe with such scope that I can't even fathom and I can't even understand care enough about me, that microbe on that speck of dust, that he became like man and allowed himself to be crucified and put to death? It's beyond the scope of my understanding. But yet our faith tells us that that's what happened. That is the story. That is the truth. It is something that we truly have received through God's grace. Because there's nothing that we could do to make that happen. There's nothing that we can perform in our lives to earn that. But that is where the challenge is to us. A challenge in our daily walk with God in terms of how do we fulfill the promise that Jesus gives to each and every one of us. The promise that if we love God and if we love our neighbor, that if we do those two things, that we will truly live. Do this and you will live. Go and do likewise. Do this and you will live. Go and do likewise. So simple, but yet so difficult to do. Simple instructions for you and for me. 
in terms of the responsibilities that we have to each other. Because my life is not about me. Your life is not about you. It's about our lives together, and in that we have a responsibility to each other. That's the life that God wants us to live. And yes, we do have moments when we act selfishly. We do have times in our lives when it's only about us and we are the center of our own universe. And we don't care about anything else. But when those times do happen, are we truly living? Are we truly living when we live only for ourselves? Is that truly a life worth living? Or is it a life worth living when we go out and we feel responsible for others? We want to help others. We want to encourage others. That the four things in our paper bag is not all about myself, but it's about the people that not only do I love, but the people that perhaps I don't love, but I, God tells me that I need to care for them. I need to reach out to them. I need to love them. And that is what truly gives us life. The love that we show to God is the same love that we should show to our neighbor. And when we do those things, we truly do live the life that God has ordained for each and every one of us. We truly do live the life that God wants us to have on the scale that gives us that purpose and that meaning and that maturity that God wants us to have. But when we are only thinking about ourselves, when I am only thinking about myself, I truly am not living the way that God wants me to live. And he gives us this parable to talk about the fact that when these circumstances occur in your life, think about the right thing that you are to do. Not what church tradition tells you to do. Not what the cultural things tell you to do. But to do those things that truly do reflect God's love in your life to others. To do those things in your life that edify God. That identifies with the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. And we will see in our lives the life that God wants us to live. We will understand the question about eternal life. We will see that it is through our relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, that we have eternal life. We inherit it not because of anything that we have done. We inherit it because of the gift that God has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And He gives us that gift with instructions. I have given you this gift 
there are two instructions that I want you to follow. One is to love God, and one is to love your neighbor. I think we can get the first one correct. We can love God, right? But when it comes to our neighbor, when it comes to the people in our lives that we struggle with, when it comes to people who disagree with us on just about every matter, God tells us that we are to love them. Now what does that mean? To love those that we struggle with. To love those that society tells us not to have anything to do with. The example we have given is when we love them and we put ourselves second to them. Second. Have you ever seen those little wristbands that says, I am second? I am second. It's a reminder that God is first and foremost. And if we love God first and foremost, then others will be first and foremost. And then we become second. Not second in terms of being something less than, but second in terms of the life that God wants us to live. It feels good to be second. It feels good to have a life that has purpose. It feels good to be living in the proper relationship that God wants you to have with yourself and with others. Because you have to do both to be experiencing the life that God wants you to have. To be living the life that God wants you to have. You have to do both. The plan of action, the mission that God has given us, is to do both. Because if we truly have accepted that gift of God through eternal life, if we truly have incorporated it into our lives, if we truly say to God that we want to live that life now that we have accepted that gift of God's grace to us, we can love God. I don't think there's any problem with that. But when it comes to the second issue, that's where we struggle. And Jesus knew that. Because the expert in the law asked the question, Who is my neighbor? He asked that because he understood what Jesus was saying. He understood what the law said, but he wanted an excuse not to love a neighbor. And we look for excuses, don't we? We look for excuses not to care for someone. We look for excuses not to love someone. We look for excuses not to help someone. But Jesus didn't let him out with that question. God does not let us out when we ask that question when we try to justify our actions that are contrary to what the Word of God tells us 
to do tells us to be. But when we do the things that God wants us to do, when we are actually able to help our neighbor, which is anyone and everyone, there's no exclusions, there's no exceptions. But God tells us that when we do that, we truly do live. Don't you want to have those burdens? I know I have them. I'm assuming that you have those burdens too. You know, when we go before God and we come before Him just as we are, God wants us to drop our pack and to give it to Him. God wants us to take our pack and that load that we've been carrying. And I don't know what branch of the service that you were in, but we called it humping. And when we went on a hump, right? And we were just waiting to drop that pack. God tells us, let me carry that pack for you. Let me carry that pack for you as you are humping through life. As you are journeying through life, as you're walking through life, Give me that pack. Give me that burden. So you can truly live and exercise all of the great things that I have given you in your life. All of the circumstances that you can use around you to the benefit of your life. To live it to the fullest. To live it to the fullest. And we know that we are living it to the fullest when we exercise mercy. Because you can't love your neighbor unless you exercise mercy. And what is mercy to you? What is mercy by definition? The mercy that God wants us to show to each other, goes along with the grace that God wants us to show one another, goes along with the compassion and the love that God wants us to show one another. And when we do that, when we go and do likewise, we experience the life that God wants us to live. We experience the things that are in our paper bag comes down to only one thing. To love each other the way that God has loved us. And I am so thankful that God loves me just for who I am. For all of my imperfections, the smallness of my scale being the microbe on that speck of dust, God still loves me. And in the same way, God still loves you. And we reveal that love to each other in an unbelievable way. We believe 
and we show the character and the generosity that God has bestowed to each and every one of us to others in terms of who we are and our relationship that we have with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So it is my hope and prayer today, I'll even make it on a real smaller scale, for the next 15 minutes after you leave chapel service, love your neighbor as yourself. Just try it for 15 minutes. See if you could do that. And any intrusive thoughts that you have about all those nasty people out there that are your neighbors, love them. I found myself the other day dealing with some struggles, dealing with some people, and I truly wasn't living. You know what I mean? You, you know when you're not connecting with your life when you're very angry, when, when you are upset. And I was not connecting. I was angry. I was upset. I was mad. And God reminded me, pray for those right now that are making you angry. Oh God, come on. They don't deserve my prayers. You know what they deserve. And God said, no. Pray for those right now that are making you angry. I began to do that. And guess what happened to my anger? It went away. It went away. It didn't excuse the behavior of what they had done, if you get what I'm saying, but because I was able to pray for them, the anger went away and I was able to see the circumstance with clarity of a purpose that God wanted me to have. As we talked about last Sunday, a lot of times we can't see things when we are so emotionally involved. But when you pray about those circumstances, when you pray for those people that are upsetting you, that make you angry, all of a sudden you see things in a different way. You see things in the proper perspective that God wants you to have. And you're able to deal with those situations successfully because you are living the life that God wants you to live and not allowing someone else to live your life for you, if you understand that. Does everybody understand what I'm saying there? All right. Okay, good. And that's what we want to do. So for the next 15 minutes when we're done here, love your neighbor. Pray for those that you get angry about. Pray for those that have mistreated you. Pray for those that have done those wrong things that are unforgivable. And God will give you that peace and that life that you need to have and that I need to have to live each day for Him. Amen. Please take a few moments and prepare your hearts for communion this morning. Knowing the direction and the purpose that God has given us Communion is a wonderful time to publicly acknowledge that we are following that direction and that we are following that purpose. Let us pray. Our gracious God,
it's been so difficult for us to love our neighbor. And God, I would ask first of all that you would forgive me for when I have not loved my neighbor. Forgive me, God, at times when I have been so overwhelmed by anger and bitterness that I could not see anything but myself. And Lord, as we take communion together as a body of believers in your Son, Jesus Christ, it gives us that wonderful opportunity to see beyond ourselves and to see the needs of others because that's truly a life that you want us to live in all things. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins and restoring us in the proper scale of our lives with you for eternity through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. In Christ's name, amen. receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together.
please turn with me in your red hymnals to number 303. I serve a risen Savior. thankful that you have given us a better understanding in terms of how to live our lives each day better for you. And God, I would ask that you'd remind us to the presence of your spirit to live that way and to go and do likewise as our example 